salutations, peace, and blessings. You're listening to the Kneel Down Podcast. I'm your host, The Commission. We are starting week 14 of the NFL season, and we started Thursday night between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Minnesota Vikings. For those that watched this game, for those that stayed up and watched the remainder of the game, on Thursday night. Let me just clarify this because this game, you, you might have gone to bed early if you were watching this game up till halftime. Pittsburgh couldn't Pittsburgh couldn't score if it meant their life depended on it. It was nothing about this uh, game that showed any type of promise for Pittsburgh. Minnesota gave an arbitrary performance, gave no reason for Pittsburgh to even think they could win this game. It was 23-0 at halftime. 23-0. Everything that Pittsburgh thought they can do to score was nullified by that Minnesota Vikings defense. And mind you, this is the same defense that had no clue what to do against Detroit just maybe four or five days prior. It was that. It was, it was the same Minnesota team even if you look at their record now, six and seven, I I am still not convinced that Minnesota is a team that we're going to see in the playoffs because they've been so inconsistent throughout the entire season. They win one, lose two, and then they may win two and lose one, and then they they win one, then they lose one, and then they lose a bad one, and 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 now they just won again, and now we're six and seven. And I, the narrative here for Minnesota, you can take it either way you want. This is a team that if you really thought that if Minnesota was the team to beat this upcoming season, I had Minnesota, I believe, second in the division. And they're not too far. I think they're still second in the division. So they're pretty much on track. But I really would have thought that Kirk Cousins and his offense would have turned things around this year. And, you know, Dalvin Cook has missed a number of games due to injury. And the offensive line is depleted. I don't want to keep... The, the commission is tired of the same excuses. I, I, by this time, we really should know with these teams what they are indicative of doing season after season because it's all they do. For what Minnesota does and for the guys they have around Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Irv Smith Jr., that's who it is. Irv Smith Jr. is done for the season. You're relying on K.J. Osborne, and then you've got... Um, it's it's just like it's you put together this crew of receivers to be effective and to go out there and, and and probably find ways to get this team to win, to be productive, the whole nine bit. And it's you you keep watching Minnesota and you you feel as though after they won against Green Bay, they were back on track. You really thought that they really had a chance to move in that direction. Then you lose to Detroit. Oh, it's 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 a, it's a situation where the team itself still hasn't found their own identity. They still don't even know how things can work for them. They don't know how to make it work for themselves, be it at home, away. You know, you see some of the games they played, and, and, and these games that they played against some of these teams, they didn't miss a beat. I mean, for what they did and how they won, you would have thought that this was a team that had all the chances in the world 
to be in the hunt for the playoffs. And they're still mathematically in the hunt for the playoffs. But if the performance was anything like it was Thursday night, let me just say this. I think both teams left that field disappointed. Both teams. Not so much because of the fact that Minnesota barely won, but because of the fact that they were blowing this team out. Pittsburgh is probably just as disappointed because they were getting bored. They were getting blown out. And they could have won this game late in the fourth quarter if it weren't for some silly plays and drop balls and play calls. And it's it's amazing when you're watching these football games that these coaches, these players, are just not on the same page. And it's the reason why. You look at Pittsburgh and, and their record at six six and one, and Minnesota and their record at six and seven. These teams just can't get right. These teams are clueless. There is no direction. There is no sense of any type of execution that's effective that can help you win, and you're playing catch up. And Minnesota's good for keeping the lead, then losing the lead. And then they got to work twice as hard to maintain the lead. Dalvin Cook runs for over 200 yards and two touchdowns. That would have been in vain if Minnesota lost that game. Never mind the fact that Cousins didn't have the best of games. But it's still the fact that Minnesota and that offense has yet to find any way to keep these teams from keeping it close. And whether it's the play calling on the sideline for Minnesota, I mean, the defense did a good job. They probably could have done better. You don't allow 28 points in the second half to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the last play of the game was a touchdown until it was jarred out of uh, Friar Moose's hand. So it's like, this is, this is a poor performance on both teams because one team should have blown out the other team and then for Pittsburgh to win that close and still come up short, you still messed up. You still didn't do what was right. You still didn't execute. Roethlisberger got sacked four times, if I'm correct. Could have been five. The man was on his back more than he was throwing the ball for touchdowns. This is a piss-poor game performance for a team that's trying to make the playoff. Both teams. But, you know, Minnesota leaves the stadium and, and, and they're going home and they're thinking to themselves, damn, we could have had that game. We should have had that game by far more than just eight points. So, you know, the commission is going to sit here and say, man, this, this, this game was a good game maybe for the last 15 minutes of the game. But look at where they had to come from to get to this point. Pittsburgh throws 28, uh, 21 points or three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. They score a touchdown late in the in the third quarter. And before long, they are on a roll. The momentum has changed drastically. And Pittsburgh couldn't do anything wrong. Roethlisberger's throwing the ball 40 times. Probably would have thrown it 60 times if he had to for the win. And that last pass was probably the pass that could have taken him to the overtime with a chance to win. But this is a bad game. It was great to watch if you're not rooting for Minnesota or Pittsburgh. But it was a bad game and how it all unfolded and how it all finished. If you're Minnesota 
And if you're a fan from Minnesota, shout out to you guys. You're happy that you won that game, but you're probably more disappointed that they didn't do a better job of making sure that Pittsburgh didn't score at all. They had gone for two and a half quarters. It was almost three quarters that Pittsburgh didn't score a point. And then there was this taunting penalty that really was costly. I mean, if you can go back in time and take that penalty out, this may be a different ball game. Minnesota could have won 56 to nothing. But you taunt this team. You wake up the sleeping bear and the full long, the Steelers realize we have an identity. We have our dignity. We have to do something here right now. We have to do what we can to at least make ourselves competitive with a chance to perhaps be in the hunt for the playoffs. And they came a play short. I commend Pittsburgh for what they did Thursday night. I commend that they played hard to at least keep themselves in the game. It wasn't a complete defeat by any stretch. And you don't give up on a game in spite of the fact that you're getting smacked up by 29 points. So I commend Pittsburgh for that much. But the play calling was abysmal. I wonder if maybe with the time that may be left within this season, it may be too late to do it now, but I guess it's never too late if you want to fire someone. But if you wanted to really make a statement for this team, perhaps you let the, the offensive coordinator go. Maybe you make some changes for yourself. Maybe maybe Tom decides to make the play calls for himself. I don't know. But you need to do something to wake this team up moving forward, knowing that we know that Ben Roethlisberger is playing the last season for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This has a lot more to do with the fact that Ben Roethlisberger won't be there next year. If you're if you know that you're you're saving grace, you're you're, you're man top of the totem pole, the the big dim data. Big Ben Roethlisberger is now at a point where he wants to call it quits, and you're looking at this game as though. We don't know if we can do it. And you let this man get sacked five times. What you're telling me is that it really is not about Big Ben. And it's really not about the Steelers right now. It's about me. I don't feel like I can go out there and commit to this team. I don't feel like this team really has any opportunity. We don't have a shot and you know where to get to the playoffs. Let's call for what it is. Because the players showed it on Thursday night. And I mean, there wasn't all the players that showed it. There were some players that were really playing hard. But I mean, between the play calls and the execution, it was abysmal. It was probably the worst game I saw for a good three quarters up until they woke up near the end of the third quarter and started scoring points. By then, they realized what it was they needed to do. So moving forward, you know, it, it it's probably good for Minnesota but you're just delaying the inevitable if you're going to play like this the remainder of the season. I don't know what games they have left. I want to say they got to play Green Bay again. And the way Green Bay is playing right now, they are an unstoppable force. There's no way that Minnesota is going <laughs> to neutralize the Green Bay Packers. It just ain't happening. The way they played on Thursday night, I just don't see it. 
Ooh, man, what a, what a game it was. It kicked off week 14. I have the power rankings for this week, for week 14. As of Tuesday, I think they released it on Tuesday. CBS.com or CBS Sports or Sportsline. I think it's CBSSportsline.com. I got the power ranking from 1 to 25 because I think the last six teams or seven teams are irrelevant. The top 25, I'm only going to maybe, I'll give you top 20. Start with the Arizona Cardinals, Green Bay Packers, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, New England Patriots, Kansas City Chiefs, Los Angeles Rams, Buffalo Bills, Baltimore Ravens. Tennessee Titans and the Dallas Cowboys, one through ten. First of all, New England should not be fourth. They should be second. Second of all, Green Bay should be first, and Arizona should be fourth, in spite of their record. <laughs> you probably listen to the commission saying, what are you talking about? Listen, New England's on a seven-game winning streak. Even with Arizona and their 10-2 record, they're not on no seven-game winning streak. That Arizona team is still inconsistent in spite of the fact that they're winning against these teams and blowing out a lot of these teams on the road. I just don't see Arizona as the best team in the league right now. But I guess because we're looking at their record, they deserve to be number one, although New England should definitely be, if not one, then two. But fourth, behind Tampa Bay, I guess it's relative, the fact that they lost to Tampa Bay, but Tampa Bay doesn't have to be third. Tampa Bay's on a three-game winning streak. So at any rate, I go on. I digress. I know. You got the Rams in there at six. You got Buffalo at seventh. They should drop. Buffalo is just falling apart right before our very eyes it's almost like the scene in the wizard of oz where dorothy throws the water on the witch and you see this witch just start to melt in and she says my world my world that's what Baltimore. that's what buffalo was saying right now my world my world my time in the playoffs oh no it's, it's depleting right before my very eyes buffalo is losing it you lose 14 to 10 at home on Monday night, and this team only throws three passes. You should be embarrassed by that loss. I go on to talk about Dallas at 10. I guess that's a good fit, even though they should probably be somewhere at maybe 11 or 12. But nonetheless, Dallas is at 10. 11 goes to the Los Angeles Chargers. Go Chargers. Go. 12th is the Cincinnati Bengals. 13th is the Indianapolis Colts. 14th is the lowly, dismal Pittsburgh Steelers. And 15th is the Washington football team. I'm going to talk about that in just a few seconds. 16th goes to the San Francisco 49ers. 17th goes to the Las Vegas Raiders. 18th goes to the Denver Broncos. 19th goes to the hot Miami Dolphins. And 20th is the Cleveland Browns. I just wanted to run off those teams for a reason. Not to gloat. Not to rub salt in any wounds. It's just 
the commish expressing his feelings about week 14 and this matchup between the Dallas Cowboys and Washington's football team. There's other games that will be on this weekend that a lot of people will sit down and keep concentrated and focused on with the Baltimore Ravens at Cleveland, the Las Vegas Raiders at the Chiefs, the Buffalo Bills going to Tampa Bay, course Monday night's game between the Rams and the Cardinals but the main game the game of the week we had to wait 14 weeks to get the game of the week and I said we yes I am emphasizing we because anybody within that area Maryland DC metro area Virginia Northern Virginia Southern Virginia Central Virginia, wherever you may be, it's time to stand up and recognize that the Washington football team is doing something that many of us didn't see happen in this season. They go on a four-game winning streak, one of the hottest teams going into week 14. And we're meeting up with the Dallas Cowboys that have already proclaimed, with the help of Coach Mike McCarthy, that they are going to win on Sunday. Tis, tis, tis. It's amazing how if we get just maybe 30 seconds of time in the light, if we get about 30 seconds of time in front of media, it's amazing how arrogant we become. It's amazing how self-absorbed we become, especially if we're not playing football. If we're coaching football, then you provide the motivation for your team in a sense that we need to do something here right now to make the statement that we're not going to be overruled or or placed in a position where we cannot win. So we're going to make the blanket statement that we're going to win this game. Now, if you look at this situation, we'll break it down to you. Dallas is favored by four points. They have a 63% chance of winning. This is... Taylor Heineke's first game. Shout out to Taylor Heineke. If you listen to this podcast, brother, best believe anybody and everybody rooting for Washington is behind you. I have my t-shirt right there folded up, ready to go on Sunday. I will be flaunting it on Sunday, whether I am at home or out and about. It's the fact that Washington is in the best position to prove a lot a lot of people wrong. I don't know how many times I've watched game after game. And whether they wanted to televise the game or not, I don't have pay-per-view. I don't have the package deal. I don't. So I get the opportunity to watch the Washington football team, if I'm fortunate enough, on channels 5 and 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 ESPN and, and four, perhaps if it's a Sunday night game and so on and so. So you get what I'm. Giving. I don't have that kind of package with Washington, and maybe that's my bad. But it's the fact that every time Washington does something nice, it is not recognized. It's not talked about. You don't even give us an opportunity to be ostracized, to be vilified, even if we win. Because nobody 
outside of the people that I just mentioned within the states of Maryland and Virginia take the Washington football team seriously, to care, to really want to take the time out to acknowledge the success that they've had over the last month. And it starts with the coaching staff. It starts with Ron Rivera. It starts with Del Del Rio and his job on defense. It starts with Scott Turner and calling the plays for Taylor to execute. They've been doing a great job, and no one wants to give the Washington football team any credit. It goes beyond the superlatives. It goes beyond the love that we want to show for our team. It's the fact that they're winning and no one wants to give them their due. And I'm not here to say shame on anybody. The only way that we're going to get that recognition, the only way people are going to respect that team, including Taylor Heineke, is if they beat the pants off of the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday. I get it. I understand. And I've mentioned it before on this podcast that the best games involving the NFC East come sometime near the end of the season. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have about four weeks left of football. This is the end of the season. This may not be the final game, but best believe for what we may see on Sunday. I don't expect a high-scoring game. If it is, it'll be just as entertaining. But I can see both defenses basically slapping each other in the mouth with a chance to show each other that we're not going to lay here and play dead. If you're going to score on us, it's going to be because the refs are foolish enough to call these stupid calls and interfere with the production of the game. You're going to rely on the refs to somehow uh, call things in your favor with a chance for you to score? No way. If you're going to score on us, you better go into that playbook, maybe the last few pages of that playbook, and find some way to, to call the play that will execute the right play call to allow Dak Prescott to throw the ball to his many receivers or to allow Ezekiel Elliott and his ailing knees to run up the middle for 10, 15 yards to score because there's no way in God's green earth is Washington going to let this game get past them. I I, I want to, I call it right now, the commission is going to guarantee you right now that Washington is not going to lay there and play dead and they will win this game nasty, dirty, funky, hard. And and, and perhaps, perhaps, if it's messy outside, it'll be muddy. So all these things, all these events, all these concerns that go on with Washington will be formulated right there. I have some key notes that I want to point out regarding this game. With the time that I have left, I just want to be able to express the fact that I want to see how things play out for Taylor Heineke. But I got to ask the question, which Taylor Heineke are we going to get against Dallas? He's never played against this Dallas defense before. This would be brand new to him. And listen, I'll call a spade a spade. Dallas's defense is nothing to sneeze at. I understand what Micah Parsons can do. I understand what Dexter Lawrence can do. I understand 
what uh, Trayvon Diggs can do. I understand what these team, what this, what this defense can do. I can understand what these guys are capable of doing. I think they get back Randy Gregory and all that other stuff. So this defense will have something to prove as well. And they're playing against an offense where you see the offensive line is inconsistent at times. The block for Antonio Gibson, which of course he's having an outstanding year thus far with 800 yards to the day. But I got to believe come Sunday, a lot of that is going to be placed to the side. I mean, emotions, feelings be placed to the side because now it's completely focused on what we need to do to execute on offense. I need to see Taylor Heineke air that ball out to McLaurin. I need him to see him air that ball out to DeAndre Carter. And I need to see everybody just coming together on one accord and realizing this is for our playoff lives. We have to do something right here, right now to make the statement. Can Ezekiel Elliott run for 100 yards on that Washington Redskins defense? Or excuse me, Washington football team's defense. See, I I slip up from time to time. There's still going to be the Redskins to me. Hail to the Redskins. I got to see to it that that defense holds Zeke in check and whoever else that decides to run the ball. I heard that Pollard may have plantar fasciitis, something with his foot, where he may not be able to put pressure on him. He's a game time that says he won't play. And if he does play, he ain't going to last long. I give him two series tops before he's done for the game. So can Ezekiel Elliott find a way to run crazy on that defense? And I just said a second ago, that's going to be a defensive battle. So if we're going to rely on Ezekiel to at least become priority number one to get that offense for Dallas started, then perhaps we have the advantage there too. The third question I would ask is if this Washington football team and this defense for Washington able to make Prescott throw 40 plus passes, because if he has to throw for anything over 40 passes, we have a good chance of winning that game. He is 40% when he's throwing for over 400 passes. Excuse me, for 400 yards and 40 passes. So, listen, I'm no fool. I'm no idiot. The commission knows that this is not going to be an easy game for Washington. However, it's not going to be an easy game for Dallas as well. And we all know what's on the line for Dallas because they're sitting pretty top of the division. Dak Prescott will play. Ezekiel Elliott will play. Amani Cooper will play. C.D. Lamb will play. Michael Gallup will play. Their tight end Schultz will play. Offensive line will play. I don't know if Tyron Smith is out for the season, but even if he's not, he'll be playing. Everybody for Dallas is going to be lined up, geared up, suited up, and ready to roll. And I'm trying to make the point that this is the game of the week for Washington's football team. This is the game that will pretty much place us in a position where we cannot do anything else wrong for the rest of the season. Washington football team has Philly left, Dallas again, Philly, and then the Giants the last game of the season. It's time for Washington to understand that we are the team to beat in the NFC East. Washington has to understand that this is our division to keep for the remainder of time that we have Ron Rivera, Taylor Heineke, 
all there ready and waiting to play football. So says the commission. I'm out. I'm almost out of time. I wanted to ramble as long as I want because I just wanted to let these people know. If you're listening to this podcast and we're going into Sunday knowing that this is the game of the week, that there's one person here that sits proud talking about his boys as they suit up for what could be the biggest, most pivotal game of the season. Week 14. Everything else won't matter until that time comes, but we got to win against Dallas. I want to thank everybody that's been listening to this podcast. It means so much to me. This is the Kneel Down Podcast. I am your host, The Commish, and I will do it all again soon enough. Monday will be here before you know it. So best believe I'll have plenty to talk about, including this game between the Cowboys and Washington's football team. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the game of the week, because you know I will. And I like Washington to win big time. Let's see if we can do it. With that being said, I'm going to say peace and love to all those out there. Stay safe. Get vaccinated, people. I'm out.